Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, I said Tottenham, Ontario. Uh, it is Jay Bird watching. Welcome, as always, Adam Corsair. Shout out to Rhode Island and Craig Boyden, Rochester, New York. Fellas, how's it going? What up? It's cool. Happy to be home and eh, popping a beer. <laughs> None of those there you days. go. Yeah. Excited to talk oh, some I... baseball oh. and get back to real stuff instead of work crap. There you go. I don't have my Labatt Blue, so I am uh, lacking on that, but I have a Next close to say, I suppose, it's a Molson Canadian cold shot. Yeah. Uh, I got a clean wish so. for days for triple X, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I, we have baseball back, and we did our live show on Friday, which thanks everybody for tuning in. It was fantastic night. I think you could hear it in all of the voices, the drunker we were getting. But uh, that was kind of the point, to hop on, uh, enjoy time with the three of us, but also our guests. Shout out everybody that came on, Steve from the UK, uh, Connor Chambers. Uh, and Chris Henderson, it was great having them on, fellas. How was? Uh, I didn't really get. We didn't really reaction uh, or your thoughts from our live broadcast. So, uh, Craig, it was your idea, uh, I believe. I don't want to give you the credit if it was Adam's idea. No, that's correct. Regardless, <laughs> it was more or less. I'm gonna say the collective. All right. Yeah. yeah in yeah, all true. reality, it was my that's idea true. way, way, way back when to do live shows. But Adam was the first on the ship. <laughs> so I'll take so, it. Actually, I'm gonna speed up to Adam then. Adam, how do you think the live show went? I loved it. And I think you were right. Um, you know, it was it was fun to let loose. It was fun to sort of fall into a groove and enjoy the game, especially seeing a Blue Jays win on opening day. Uh, how was the last time that's happened, especially in the trap? Um, but you're right. As the innings progress, uh, I certainly got drunker. Um, I'm sure that came through on the broadcast, which I'm cool with. Whatever. Shout I'm out to your wife for keeping you in line for as long oh, as Oh, yeah. Did. Yeah. <laughs> she also drank the last blue. So shout out to my wife, of course. <laughs> if there's one blue left in the house, she'll have it. That's fine. There but uh, I had I had a great time, and I'm glad everybody participated. And we had uh, quite a bit of listeners and participation, so we appreciate that. And anything that we can do to make your experience better, please let us know. Uh, we're certainly open to it. Yeah. We pride ourselves on being the barroom Blue Jay chat. So yes. I think we did a pretty good job of inviting literally enough people from all around the world fellas mm. into our last show i think that worked out pretty well and uh yeah we were representing all over the place europe canada basically north america right <laughs> so yeah. it was good times um but yeah fellas that was perfect and i really think we couldn't have done it any better than we did unless we maybe get some more fan participation hopefully the next one i'm hoping that we can kind of make this a moderately level normal reoccurring thing um 
weekends probably during a day game would probably be a lot easier than uh, evening, especially for our friends in the UK. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, no, you're right. It, it was a good time. Uh, I quite enjoyed it quite a bit. Obviously, it was great spending it with you guys. Uh, we got our girlfriends and wives available online, too, uh, which was a great time. But as you said, Craig, if you could do it again, um, it really would. But I guess I kind of figured it. I, I have the direction I kind of want to go with this. I know I sent you guys the agenda before. But, guys, it's really looking like the MLB season is hanging on a thread with this whole <laughs> Miami Marlins situation. Oh, and that's the way I'm going to go. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get into the fun stuff later, but hey, there's 19 Marlins now, I think I saw. A little over half of their roster has now tested positive for the coronavirus, along with a few staff members. So this is a situation. Let's back up. On Sunday morning, the Marlins get their positive tests, right? And they know this before they're about to go out there and play the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia. People know that they are positive and they have the virus. And they have a team meeting and decide it's not our mentality to not play, so we're going to fucking play. You're not alone. You're playing a team close quarters with the umpires. You can go on a first base with the first baseman, all that. And, yeah, Marlins have an outbreak in their clubhouse. And it's leading to a whole bunch of shenanigans. And chaos is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, Adam, I'll tee you up for this one. What was your reaction when you saw that the Marlins just decided to, hey, let's fuck it, let's play. Like, we have COVID, who cares, let's play uh disgusted honestly and look um we we like to talk about how the mlb is in um i wouldn't say competition but right now they they don't occupy the summer by themselves right now right they do have the nba to compete with and the nba has the luxury of being in a bubble and same thing with the nhl both of those respective leagues have zero cases within their bubble mlb is playing with fire right now the way i see it they probably were hoping if we look at it like linearly, it's a hundred mile trip from the start of the season to the end, but they only have 25 uh, miles worth of gas without any money. That That is how I feel like the MLB is operating right now. And they're just flying by the seat of their pants. Um, I don't see a way that this is going to be successful. I know they're trying, but we, we saw in real time how the infections of one team can affect three other teams, right? And so this isn't just a, hey, let's put the Marlins away. Now you had to postpone the Phillies game. You had to postpone the Yankees going to Philadelphia. And you had to postpone the Orioles game who were playing uh, the Marlins. So the, you have all these teams that are like jumbled up. And I don't know how you're going to rectify those scheduling conflicts later down the line. Maybe you do have time. Maybe you don't. But this isn't going to be the last time. I, I, I can put my money on it. This isn't going to be the last time. And if you have another three teams or more that are affected as a result, what do you do? What do you do at that point? Yeah. I'm not optimistic. What's the right. phrase? Can't fix stupid. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. I don't understand how you can even know, knowingly go and infect. This is the same thing as basically how everything started here in Rochester, New York. Some jackass from New York City knew he had it, got on the plane, came here anyway. And guess what, fellas? All of a sudden, you know, 70 cases in a couple yeah. of days here in Rochester with no cases before that quote-unquote flight. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to think everybody got off that plane and had probably you know 50% chance of getting it at least, right? Especially that jackass that was poor enough to be sitting next to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is this is um, the, this is a situation that I I just don't know that they legitimately planned for, right? I don't know that they're gonna have anything that they can do to rectify. I really don't. And 
you know, thank God so far, knock on desk, the Blue Jays are escape have escaped Florida without any positive yeah. cases that we know of, right? That we know of. Yeah. Um, they, they could still be asymptomatic. But, you know, I, I hear about this meeting and I'm thinking to myself, all right, we have all these really strong protocols, but hold on, hear me out. Players meeting. There you go. Right now, what, what are I we was, doing? <laughs> how is this not like the steroid piss test? Yes. Or anything yes. else. Yeah, like the, the league has a representative that's giving these things out of some sort. And it's some style of organization to it. You had this completely on the players. Really? Kids? Yeah. Really did something stupid? Is anybody really shocked by this? <laughs> Especially the Miami Marlins. They're literally all kids. <laughs> There's no exceptions to this. And in the midst of that... Now you're putting the whole game at risk. And in all reality, they're putting the sport world at risk during mm-hmm. this. It's not just that this isn't the, the my Major League Baseball bubble. This is literally what happened, worst case scenario for all sports, regardless if you're in a bubble or not. This could be the same thing that could be starting on thir- on Friday for basketball, hockey coming, everything. So you got one failure already. Everybody else has got to be at least paying attention to it. And I hope learning from the mistake and shout out to you, Adam, for doing the kind of best random blues brothers kind of like rant that you did there about the gas tank and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's starting to like what it is. Yeah. The line from the movie is like, okay, we got a pack of cigarettes. It's dark out. We're wearing sunglasses. We got so many miles to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I just, this is literally the worst step they could be t- taking right out the gate, right? It, we're literally starting yeah. the fifth Blue Jays game today, and we're halfway through it. And you're talking that the Miami Marlins made it through three and screwed this already. Yep. Yeah. No, they did. Uh, some of the things I was reading today on Twitter from beat writers covering it is that, hey, the MLB is going to move forward with this. The Marlins are off until Monday at the earliest uh, that they could be ready to come back. The Phillies are not playing again until Friday when the Blue Jays are supposed to go to Philadelphia and use the same clubhouse the Marlins. Now, I don't think that's going to be as much of an issue because you can go up there and clean up the droplets and, and get it all clean. So the clubhouse may be not the issue, but the... Send the Buffalo are, drone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Send in that Buffalo drone we talked about a few episodes ago. But uh, yeah, the Marlins... Um, the, the, the MLB was saying that they may not necessarily have to play all 60 games they'll take the winning percentage from the games, right? So if a team has to sit out and only plays 54 games, as an example, you, it's your winning percentage that's going to get you into the playoffs or not. And that's how MLB is going to rectify it, apparently. <laughs> so in that nature, you're telling me that Trent Thornton was the best Blue Jays hitter just because he went two for two in the only at-bats he had throughout last season. Yep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. How right? do you do that? It just I, doesn't make sense. I think at a minimum, and if you're going to start using a win percentage bullshit thing like that, you got to play 50 games, yes. period, before you can start even factoring that in. Because I don't know if you guys heard the news while I was listening to the radio feed on my way home. They, um, the Yankees are going to play Baltimore now. Yes. Is yeah. that two more games, yeah. or are they rotating the schedule? As far as I know, yeah, they're I, rotating yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, I sure as shit hope it's them rotating yes. it. It's not like they didn't have a clear-cut path to the playoffs anyway, so right. nothing happens. Two more games against the Orioles. There's two more wins. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, don't say that because they beat the Red Sox twice. <laughs> Is that really saying that much with how much we've slammed the Red Sox on this show? We slammed the <laughs> Orioles harder. 
I get that. <laughs> but I just think that goes to speak that the Red Sox pitching is in way more trouble than anybody had imagined. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what they were saying uh, during the Blue Jays broadcast before we hopped on. I think Shulman or, or Buck were bringing up the point that, yeah, the Red Sox are in a bit of shambles right now. Red Sox are probably lucky that this is a 60-game season and not a 162-game season. The They're going to be like the Blue Jays pitching staff last season if this was a 162-game season. Mm-hmm. Let's just truck. 20-something yeah. starters out there, see what hot podgery we can get for all the innings we need to get through this year. <laughs> hey, that's probably what they'll have to do. And that's just, hey, if there is 60 games, if teams are playing 59, 58, whatever it is, and it's winning percentage, hey, that could increase the Blue Jays' chances if the Red Sox play 60 games or the Orioles play 60 games or whoever. But one more thing on the Marlins, guys, before we move on, is so take this with a grain of salt because – Bob Nightingale is, as we know, not the most reliable reporter. He gets quite a few things wrong, and he goes and corrects himself. But one thing I saw right before the Jays game started is that apparently a few Marlins went out in the town on Atlanta, went out and had a few drinks. So that is Uh-oh. likely caught <laughs> the virus, where you see guys like Charlie Montoyo and others that say, hey, I stay in my hotel room, I go to the ballpark, I go back to the home, I go back to my home, and that's it. They're not going anywhere else. If the Marlins, a young team, as you were saying, Craig, are already going out in town, going to a nice city like Atlanta in the midst of a pandemic and bringing this in, it could have just jeopardized the entire season of the sport by being foolish. It'll be not being strict on this, don't you think? I think they need to start thinking that it needs to be strict. And I think the Miami Marlins are the full-on case for this, period. I, I understand the Blue Jays and all the other teams are traveling, but there needs to be a some kind of a bubble thing going on here and this lack of bubble thing going on is going to screw up the game for everybody else i don't care if the bubble is literally like, hey we got off the plane went to the hotel and then we had a big party with our team at the hotel you're telling me that a hotel wouldn't give you guys a conference room to goof around and drink in <laughs> uh, dude, I'm with they you. did that for me and my friends on a work trip because we were too loud in the room but we were paying for like three months at a time (laughs) so guess what hey here come on have a good time go down here and be assholes in the lobby instead of up in your rooms (laughs) and you gotta think they're also renting like a whole end of the hotel like a whole floor out when they do these kind of things anyway so they're only harassing each other (laughs) yeah no absolutely i've begun uh, the marlins going out and having a good time in Atlanta. I remember at the start of the season, and I, um, in the preseason rather, well, the summer camp, um, I iterated this on the Raptors uh, podcast that I do as well. It's We're talking about kids, and Craig, you pretty much nailed it. We're talking about kids here. We're talking about people in their 20s, early to mid-20s. I know when I was that age, I was doing fucking stupid shit too, all the time. All the time. I, I'm not. I don't remember or recall not, yeah. or have any recollection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ashamed of it. Like, don't get me wrong. I, that's what you do when you're a kid. But when you do have kind of the sports world uh, holding on to what you do, specifically the NFL. And I know this isn't an NFL podcast, but uh, three of us being football fans, the NFL has to be paying attention to this, right? For because sure. if, the MLB, if the MLB fails... The NFL will fail because and this is a contact sport we're talking about with the NFL, right? Yeah. You can conceivably see the NBA and the NHL being successful because they're, you can, can it's possible and probably probable not to be redundant that it's going to succeed. If the MLB continues to do this travel and it looks like they are, it's not going to work because you like I said, you're dealing with kids. They're going to go out. They're going to go drink. They're going to go have fun. It's just 
I just don't see how this is going to be successful. I really, I don't yeah. want to be the pessimist, but I'm being the realist, I think. Yeah, and I don't think this is the end of fun either. I really don't sure. think that's the problem. This is like, this is a full-on opportunity. And I think the Blue Jays, at least during their quarantine bubble in Toronto, figured this out already. And that's why I don't think it's been such a problem yeah. for them. Mm. They're already used to being all with each other all the damn time anyway. And I think it's carrying over into the regular season. And they kind of went, you know, we have a chance to win this. Let's just huddle together and get through these couple months and see what happens. Yeah. Which is I maybe what the Marlins really need to think of because in all reality, with a 60-game season, I don't care how bad they are, they had a chance. Mm-hmm. Oh, and totally. they still have a chance. They absolutely did. Yeah. No, they absolutely do. They have less games to win more now and have a better winning percentage. <laughs> they yeah. can make the playoffs up that long. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but we'll see how much fun that can do. Oh, I know, right? But knowing what you guys know in terms of how MLB has handled this first uh, problem and chaos, uh, and chaos within the first four days of the MLB season, Adam, how many games do you think they, like, how much longer can we realistically be expecting to come home after work or shut off your laptop if you're working from home and know that you have a Blue Jay game to turn on uh, later that night? Like, how much longer is the season going to be able to continue? Two weeks. Two weeks. Oh. <laughs> I'm giving it two weeks, and that's I, to me. I think that's being optimistic. I'm, I'm yeah. saying two weeks. Yeah. Sorry, Craig. Right. No, I hear you. <laughs> I agree to the point that that's probably the realistic thing, but I also wonder how much of this is actually a full-on shock to the world of baseball that they're going to step in and finally do what they need to do. And in the midst of that, okay, there's going to be some, sh- you know, short-term roster shuffling at a minimum. But I really think that as soon as they found out that these tests where, you know, the data was being freaking fudged just as much as anything else in, you know, modern day politics and other good fun. <laughs> but I think they're going to have to do like, I don't know how this isn't the level where it is just on the same testing basis as like the steroid stuff or the performance enhancing. Okay, sorry. These tests need to be turned in. Here's the official. They will supervise it so much or oversee it somehow to the point where they're at least seeing the blood drawn or the sh- shoved up your nose or whatever. Right. <laughs> and hopefully we can get past this, but like Adam to his credit said, I really would be sho- Wouldn't be shocked if this is the slow death of baseball right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be too much of a pessimist, but um, so next week or this coming weekend, I'm going to a wedding as you guys know, from my friends. And my mom doesn't see me or my girlfriend, Sarah, until after we get a COVID test. And my parents have a friend who's a doctor who said the best time to get your COVID test for the most accurate results is about six days after you've got contact with a lot of people. So just because we saw the face day test that nobody had a positive test and the Mm. Phillies were playing the Marlins, hey, that's a good sign uh, on the surface. But who's to say (laughs) another day or two down the road, the symptoms haven't fully set in and there are some positive tests. So it feels like season for now will at least go into the second week next week. But yeah. to me, if we have any positive tests within the next few days, knowing that the transmission likely happened from the Marlins to the Phillies, and that the Blue Jays are going to have to go and play the Philadelphia Phillies on the weekend, I think we're really hanging on a thread with the Phillies being the team to be like, hey, hey, we have to shut it down. Like that At that point, that's another team, and the whole East is screwed, because it's affecting all the teams in the East, let alone the West and uh, central right so yeah i don't know i i i lean to two weeks this is already the start of the slow death of baseball uh unfortunately and it sucks to say but that's the world we're living in right there's no yeah. way no way around it i have one pandemic. question yeah, yeah may i <laughs> if the marlins truthfully withheld test data 
how the fuck are they even involved in the season to begin with at this point? Um, Isn't that punishable? So I'm hearing that Manfred might have even knew about it. Well, that's that's what I'm hearing. Yes, I, I, I've I've uh, um, I've heard that. It's I, like I don't wanna... knowingly passing it around. Yes, I've and heard that. If that is that... a true fact, that's horrible. Um, Mattingly, right? He's the manager for the he, for the market. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, he for sure knew because he knew that there was a players meeting and he left it up to the players to decide. I think they have to let the uh, the Don't higher ups and yeah know <laughs> about it. The question is, and I don't necessarily think this would prevent them from taking action, but the question is whether or not they told them prior to the game. Because I know Mattingly yeah. told the new starting pitcher that day. I don't I don't know who it was. Hey, heads up, you're pitching today because the starting pitcher that was supposed to go today has COVID. So they knew early in the morning, right? Mattingly yeah. knew. So I think it depends on when they told Major League Baseball that they had this information. And if it was as early as 8 o'clock in the morning and Manfred knew, we had to put him back on trial, man. Double jeopardy. Let's go. Put him back on trial. Fire him. That's <laughs> – fuck your career, man. That's impeachment level. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And we've seen more and more over the last few days people who – and look, like the Blue Jays game on right now for a live update of people with 3-1. In the top of the eighth, Blue Jays are winning. Uh, but uh, when the games are on, we're going to be cheering and watching and enjoying uh, the entire time. But at the same time, we also understand that these guys are human beings. And the more that MLB prolongs the inevitable, the worse that this is going to get and the messier it's going to get before they have to shut it down. And yeah. you're right, Adam. We may have to put Man back on trial because it's good off in the job. They botch it even further. Mm. And it should if this is true that any of this is happening. Because just like I said, it's just... It, you're you're willingly sending people to a problem. Yes. At yeah. that point, it's the same as if you were, you know, completely just. Oh, by the way, these people have whatever, but good luck. You know, yeah. you're in the same room with them. <laughs> it's like yeah. being in a room full of murders and they all have guns. It's like, okay, good luck. <laughs> yeah. It's it's messy, guys. It's it's already off to a messy start. But uh, you know what? Let's leave the negatives in the last few minutes of the conversation sure. because there have been some positives. We had a great night on Friday watching the season opener. Hunjin Ryu looked good, even though we didn't go five. But uh, rapid reaction, Craig, I'll tee this one up for you. Over the last three games that we've seen, two with Tampa uh, and one with Washington, and from what you've seen or heard of, of the game right now, uh, who has been the guy who's really stood out for you? Let's start with the race series. Go to your uh, race series. Oh, I got to start there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, our starting pitching. I really have to talk it up to our start, starting pitching because if we had some bullpen help, we won all three of those games. And I can't even say bullpen help when we completely screwed the pooch. <laughs> yeah. Sam Cabello, you're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> how many how many batters before, you know, I saw him throw two batters and I'm like, why is he in? Yes. He could have yeah. yeah. played. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> move on it, and it's not that we have tons of arms so i get that it's early you might want to see what gabilio has but you had that game in your hip pocket fucking slam the door shut i don't care and then same thing with the next night with ken giles i know it's ken giles lockdown stuff but clearly not right yeah Throwing that many sliders i've never seen him do that even in his time with the Astros, never saw him do that. Yeah. Something wasn't right. I remember uh, tweeting that out. I think it was second batter. I kept saying, something's not, something's up. Something's up. And 
Um, Brendan, to answer your initial question, I agree with Craig. It's the starting pitching. Like, Shoemaker, for me, that was a joy to watch. I was so yeah. happy for him watching that. Um, right where he left off. Yes, yeah. Um, the offense could use a little bit of a boost. Um, it's whatever. Well, I'm sure we'll get to it. Um, hint, hint, Vladdy, hint, hint. But, um, Craig, you know, I, I kind of do have to disagree because, you know, imagine if this was post-All-Star break and the Blue Jays are 500 with 60 games left. Is it early? I don't think it's early. I don't think we can chalk this up to there I know it's early. All-Star break. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, in normal season right now, this type of situation wouldn't be early. And I understand it's early for the season, but I, I, the margin for error is so, so slim that you can't give players breathing room out there. You can't. And I know we're sort of mashing topics right here, but this legitimately, and I've had my doubts before, but this literally makes me question the managerial skills of Charlie Montoya. I'm just going to leave it right there. Oh, I agree. And that segue points right there because, you know, the race series was lost because of very questionable decisions by Charlie Montoya. Let's look at Saturday in particular. So, uh, Matt Shoemaker goes out and throws six fantastic, beautiful innings. He, as you said, Craig, he picked uh, right up where he left off last year when he tore his ACL against Oakland. AJ Cole comes in, only throws 10 pitches. So he could have been good to go for the other inning. But mm. to be honest, he scared me a little bit. There was a lot of hard contact off of AJ Cole. Yeah. He was lucky to find gloves. But if you're going to Sam Gavilio, who, let's say, and you know what? I'll, I'll say this. Montoyo, the way he speaks about Gavilio, said, Sammy, Sammy, he will go out and do what he always does. He'll go out and pitch and do whatever we ask. Which is a 4.89 uh, ERA, if I recall. <laughs> I, I never, never would interpret that as he's going to pitch the bottom of the eighth inning in a 1-1 game. Right. Uh, no, yeah. Gavilio is perfectly suited for his role. Coming in for a starter who goes maybe five or six, you clean up the inning. You have a lead, first and foremost. Oh, you're mopping it up. So knowing that you had... I know that the big guys pitched on Friday. You had Giles on Friday, Delise, Romano, and Anthony Bass. Those are the big four that went. Bass maybe could have gone again on yeah. Saturday, but that you were, what you were going to do on Sunday with Thomas Hatch followed by Anthony Kay, and you could have had a lineup where you could have Vegas back. So you only go three guys deep. What was Montoyo thinking going to Gavilio? That uncostom Saturday team, even though it was time, when he gave up the lead. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. Look, I, I can't say for sure that I would have done it differently. I, I don't want to pick on Montoyo too much. Um, but, you know, I, I've always had this feeling that he's been a transitional manager, right? He's he's just someone that fills in the gaps. And I can say with confidence that he was not the guy that they had in mind when they were looking for a manager when they got rid of Gibby. He was not the first on, on the list. Um I don't know. I, I question the decisions, and that's okay. I, I, there are games where you're going to question the decisions of the manager, and they come and go, and usually a win the next day sort of erases it. Um, yeah. But for me, it's it's the deflection afterwards, right? He was saying after the game on Saturday, I don't know why, in so many words, I'm paraphrasing, I don't know why people are paying attention to the negatives. There were so many positives about this game. We could have won this game. We played great. No, Montoya, that's your fucking job. Like, we're supposed to nitpick right now. This, this, the margin for error is so slim, as I've been saying. No, we're supposed to nitpick. We're supposed to, if this was a regular season at this time, you'd be subject for nitpicking. And so we had to look at it that way. Yes, if we were a 500 team on July 24th at that time, 
or 25th or whatever, we would be subject for you would be subject to criticism and fairly. This is the same thing. We're here. We're at this point. Totally. You should we should be able to criticize you without saying, look at all the positive things in the game. Of course, but the outcome is what matters. Right. The win or loss is what matters. That's going to put us in the postseason conversation, not the stats of the game. Come on, let's be serious. So this one, I feel, is on him and a little bit of Giles, too. We'll get to that, I'm sure. But, man, this this does not make me confident in his managerial skills. And like I said, I really think the Blue Jays had Baldelli on the mind. That's what I really think they wanted to to um, manage this team just for the youth factor. But otherwise, man, I, I'm just not confident and. To me, he's got maybe one or two years left as manager at best. Can I make the joke? Sure. We just hired our next manager already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dante <laughs> he's infiltrating the, yeah. You will give me a job. Underline. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me how, uh, I don't care what the hell the move was. That that works in any fashion. Even if you're paying him the league minimum for a coach, I don't really care. That is a major league presence. And honestly, tell me that his dad, Dante, was not Bo's freaking coach for anything, quote-unquote, before. Oh, and sure. I have a strange yeah. feeling their dynamic is already established for that father-son relationship in a clubhouse. Just saying. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, totally. But yeah, it's, uh, Saturday was definitely winnable. I know that maybe it wouldn't have ended up winning if Gavilio didn't even pitch. Uh, or... You know what? If Cavillio went out there and he went one, two, three, or even didn't give up a run, we'd all be like, okay, like I probably wouldn't do that again, Charlie, but like, don't pitch Cavillio again in the eighth. It works. You got lucky, but he didn't get lucky. It burned him really badly. And so, you know what? They went on to lose the game. But Sunday was another second straight day of some questionable decisions. So, Ken Giles, Adam, as you said, you could tell something was off maybe after the first battery or two. Um, he was definitely going slower. Uh, the thing that was really telling to me is that he lost six miles per hour on his fastball and his slider. Like something that normally comes in at 88, his slider was going in at 83, 82, and his fastball was right around 92, 93 instead of 97, 90. So that's the first warning flag right there. Not throw in the fact that he was wincing every pitch he was throwing mm -hmm. when he was coming off the mound. They went out there and talked to him, and it didn't even look like Ken Giles said anything. It looked like it was Walker giving him pitch. <laughs> so. Like I don't like I don't understand. Like how did you a not have a guy ready to go? But b how did you not ask Ken? Hey man, like are you okay? You're throwing six miles per hour less than you should be. Are you hurt, Craig? What was Charlie thinking? Letting him go out there and facing too many batters because it was probably two or three too many batters. I think the tell all was the fact that he admitted that they saw the the yeah. dip yeah. on the radar gun and didn't. Yeah didn't throw up the right, the right flag at that point. It's like, what's going on? I just don't get it. You know, I'm sorry to say that I, for a person that's had shoulder problems, if I all of a sudden was throwing that far underneath, guess what? When I'm only throwing 40 to begin with, throwing it 20 miles an hour ain't quite helping the team. Right. <laughs> so, but I, like I said, the only thing I can see this is it was your best closer and you know what kind of a gamer is he? Very, he is. Yeah. And, just, I just don't understand how you don't throw up the flag and bring him out. Right there, that that moment that Pete Walker went out, there should have been an injury timeout. Period. I don't even care if yes. he, what he says. At, in a 60-game season, the manager makes that decision and takes him out so he doesn't get worse. Period. Yeah. I, if he Trevor Bowers it and throws it over the center field wall, who gives a fuck? I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so just do it. 
I don't care. You're, you're telling me they're going to like, what, what if Nate Pearson starts when he starts tomorrow? Is blistering everybody through three innings. It goes into that fourth thing, all of a sudden starts throwing 80. Are you going to leave him out there to have Tommy no. John after that? No way. That's what the situation is the same thing. Yeah. That it's period. There's no other way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to interrupt, uh, Roddy Tillich just drove in two more runs, so it's 5 1. Jay's. My, from, my, my stuff froze. Yeah. It's basically loaded. He drove in two, so we're good. Nice. Um, yeah, that, again, this, this leads back to. Um, Charlie Montoyo. First of all, you don't go out there and expect your pitcher in any situation ever to say, "I don't have it." Um, you can take me out, coach. <laughs> it will never happen. That's Especially never Ken going. Johnson's yeah, beats himself. yeah, he punches himself <laughs> in the face. This is never going to happen. And it took him literally. Well, I shouldn't say literally. It, it took him. You could tell that last pitch, Brendan. You touched on it. He was wincing, and you could hear the grunting. And he walked off the mound, and they were like, "That's it. It's over." Um, when you see your star closer with that much of a dip in velocity, it is up to you as the manager to ca- to call it. And remember relievers get as long as they want on the mound to warm up. It's not like they, they have a set amount of time or whatever. They have as long as they want to warm up and get loose and get going. So that's the, you know, the timing aspect isn't an issue here. Um, so for me, it's again, you need a manager that can recognize this and I'll give Charlie the benefit of the doubt that he did, which makes it worse. Um, (laughs) to recognize this and have that, you know, sort of, I don't know, leadership skills to say, no, we're out. He's out. Take him out. And you see that in other managers, too. And there's something very passive about Montoyo. And I understand the aspect of letting your guys go through adversity and try to prove you wrong. I get it. But again, keep saying this again. We can title this the episode if you want. The margin for error is so slim that you cannot give these guys that much breathing room. You have to be able to pull them when something is up, especially if you're trying to win two out of three in the trop. You got to do it. Um, so it's, it's in the opening not series, April. yes, it's not April it's right now. You're right. Literally July. Yes. Regardless of how yeah. any way you cut it. Yes. The Blue Jays are a 500 team right now in July. We cannot <laughs> approach this like this is an April ball game. So, uh, it, some of the blame does go to Giles too. You know, it, if you're hurting, it, it is your responsibility to say, yo, I, I, I'm, I'm not feeling right. Cause you don't want to exacerbate that. You know, the, the team is relying on you to be this closer. It could have blown out the next game or whenever he pitched. Sure. That's fine. But elbow soreness, don't want to be hearing that, especially if someone yeah. that, you know, is looking for an extension or the blue Jays could have used as a trade chip. It's, it's just a double-edged sword. I'm not happy yeah. about it. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It is. It's crazy, and I don't want to be too down on the Giles injury because, honestly, to me, it was a kick to the stomach. felt terrterrible for him. He's coming off a fantastic 2019, an under two ERA, and he was getting off to a good start. He pitched very well on Friday when we saw him. But very. look, the look fact of the matter out. is, if, if Giles has to get Tommy John surgery, which hopefully is not the case, that will probably put him out all of next year. And with nice all point. the labor unrest. It could be career-ending for Ken Giles mm-hmm. if he goes two years without pitching in the big leagues. Sure, I mean, he's still young enough. I think he's a year older than me, uh, maybe two. So 30, 29, anyhow. Still, that's a long time between pitching on a major league mound. This could have been, and this is entirely worst-case scenario, but that could have been the last we've seen of Ken Giles, A, as a Blue Jay, but B, it's possible if there's no baseball in 2022 with labor on rest. That could be the end of Ken Giles ever. It really could. Please don't put him in the Daniel Bard category yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. I mean, he's having a nice little bounce back. 
Um, the the last thing I do want to say about about Giles is, you know, you you do hate to see that, but I'm not. Again, this is very Blue Jays esque. Uh, I'm not happy with the the tight knit close to the vest kind of. He had an MRI. Okay, what were the results? He had an MRI. Like, what are, what are the results? What are, what do we have? Like, we people are no genuinely worried about him. Yes, this is it's not, not proprietary information. I hate when the Blue Jays use this as some sort of strategic bullshit to throw off teams down the line. This isn't football, okay? You don't game plan for people. Like, you you. Why don't we know this information? And it seems like the only teams that do this is the Blue Jays for some reason. They think they're like, oh, we're so fucking clever that we're not going to tell you the status of our closer. He just had an MRI. He had 10-day DL, sure, but. He might be back. Might not be. Who knows? Hey, Adam. What are we doing? Tell me how you really feel about it. <laughs> this has been a thing since Anthopolis. This is what I hated about Anthopolis, too. It's everything was proprietary information. Just let us know what the results of the MRI is. What's what's the downfall? We're still waiting for that book that we talked about. AA yeah. acknowledges. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you guys put the blame on for not being able to get the final out there? Because Giles come out. They still had a chance to win. Brian Moran came in, got a strikeout. And then there was an opportunity if Moran got to first base in time or Vladdy didn't leave the ball for Kevin Bezio because it was going right to Bezio to get the third out. And they would have taken two out of three. And that could have softened the blow for Ken Giles' injury. But Adam, I'm assuming you've seen the replay a few times. There's a few different ones. In real time, it looked like Moran, he hustled over there. And another one... Uh, it looked like Moran was slow, but do you chalk up the blame to Moran for not getting there or for Vlad for not leaving the baseball alone? Because that opens up an entirely other different co- topic of conversation, which is Vlad is still learning how to play first. Yeah. Um, before I do get into that, I do want to acknowledge some that slide by Espinal was incredible. Um, oh <laughs> we should have won that based on that period. Yeah. To get to that, after that point, the the... First base error. That was a whole nother fail. <laughs> that's on Vladdy. I'm so I'm not even sorry. I shouldn't even say that. I'm all fired up now, guys. That's on Vladdy. And you you sort of expect this kind of growing pain from someone that has never played first. And that that's third baseman type instincts to die for a ball rather than uh, play the position properly. So I'm not going to fault him too much. I know this may sound hypocritical as I've been saying. It's, it's 60 games left. But this, when it comes to a position, a per, uh, sorry, a player going into a brand new position, you kind of ex- anticipate these growing pains. So, yes, it's Vladdy's fault, but I'm not necessarily as upset about it um, as Montoyo's decision. So that's just something you live and you learn. Move, move on, whatever. So okay. I think it's hilarious because I'm actually literally on the opposite side. Of the oh shit! Adam okay, the yeah. first time ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, the three of us usually click almost too well. Yeah. Um. I think if you are taking Vlad's instincts to die for that ball out of the equation, you're taking away what could make him really special at first base. Mm. Because he does have those third base instincts at first base that will allow him to get to some balls. My biggest problem with this whole thing is there's a reason you have PVP every goddamn day. And and Moran should have been on that damn base with no problem. There's a reason that they practice that all day, every day. And it's because of these kind of things where people will make that instant call to die for a ball, go for something that might not supposed to be going for or whatever it might be at a minimum here. This is a 50 50 to me and I can't blame one of them entirely. Yeah, but I think there's like, a reason you practice pitcher's fielding practice. Just saying. <laughs> oh, true. very true. I think my first reaction was I was upset that Vlad didn't leave it alone, especially seeing that Cabin was right there. 
and knowing Vlad's been gone and hey, Blue Jays could be on the verge of five and two right now or, or four and two right now uh, if uh, they won that game in Tampa. Uh, but then after seeing the replay, I saw Moran was slow to get over there and Moran has a duty to get over there. I know he's a lefty, so he falls off towards the third base side and not the first base side like a righty. But still, you got to get over there. And it was very, very close. Moran was a little bit quicker. The Blue one Jays step. In that game. One step, exactly. It really was one step. Led to extras. After the amazing flood, they got the lead. And Mizuchi comes in and sayonara. The Blue Jays lose again at the drop in horrific fashion two days in a row. Can we just that was that? my other question. <laughs> Can I ask this one? Yeah, was yeah. Yamaguchi, your guy that you go to in an inning where you took the ball and got the run you needed in your part of the extra innings, especially with this new you know, runner on second baseball shit. <laughs> you got the run yeah. you needed. Yeah. You allowed two runs yeah. in that extra yeah. inning, regardless of the fact. At a minimum, if the Rays did what they were supposed to, that was a tie ball game for that per- first extra inning set. Mm. You allowed yeah. a whole nother run on top of that just because Yamaguchi served up a few good pitches for them to hit. And Kevin Kiermeyer once again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think in a vacuum, yeah. uh, no. But given the fact that they've sort of trucked through relievers uh, since Friday night, um, I, I don't know. Maybe his hands were tied. I don't know. And that was really my only argument. But I, in any argument, I don't even care experience level on that. I bring out somebody that's throwing hard. Mm-hmm. Yamaguchi is, yes, experienced as a closer in Japan. But he is still learning how to grip a smaller, well, a bigger baseball here in the States. Mm, yeah. And you're throwing him right into that situation. It was just, I think Yamaguchi is going to be a really good pitcher for the Blue Jays. It was poorly timed, is what I think. Yeah. 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 I don't think I disagree with that at all. It's tough. I mean, how would you guys grade the series at the race? Because there were a lot of positives that we've already cut, touched on the pitching. It was good. There were a few questionable managerial decisions. Uh, but overall, Adam, what grade would you give the Blue Jays after their first three games at the Trump? Because hey, they may have been able to sweep it if there were some different decisions. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you always love seeing uh, an opening day victory, especially uh, maybe that sort of gives me some rose-colored glasses to look at the series, even though I've been fired up about Montoyo. So I'm going to be, I think this is a fair grade. I'll give it a B-. minus. Yep. Craig? I'm at a fair B because in all reality, other than the few bullpen things, the defense looked good overall. Our starting pitching looks like it's something 2015-2016 level where we're going to get the innings we need out of the starting pitching. It might not be the runaway record or having something crazy like the Rays have currently, but it's salvageable. And, guys, we found a way to win against the Rays and score yeah. some good runs without yeah. really hitting any home runs. That That's was true. what spoke bounds to me. Um, I know that things have really flipped script since we went to Na- the Washington Nationals <laughs> ballpark, which is completely fine. But uh, that playing that series against the Rays and being able to uh, put those big innings together, they did with more or less stringing things together. And I'm going to say circle in the bases, just like the Buffalo b- Bisons. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, I just was really impressed with the fact that they were able to put all that together. And other than a few bad decisions that might have went things array or maybe the fact that if those bad decisions actually turned into good things with the right pitchers playing, doing what they should be, we wouldn't have had a problem. I'm shocked that the biggest thing is Ken Giles actually got two outs in that inning. Yes. No, I know. I know. <laughs> it looked like he was fine after the first batter and then something went awry in the second batter. 
I think out. honestly what it was, he knew he could throw his slider across and they were missing it. And then they figured that out. Yeah. I really think yeah. that's what it came down to. They they, they saw the, they they probably saw the dip in the velocity too, and then saw him relying way too much on that slider. And that thing was hooking like nasty still, regardless mm-hmm. yeah, of no, what was doing. <laughs> it looked great. Nasty when he even when he has a bum darn, but yeah, I think <laughs> if, if if the Blue Jays had won two out of three there, I think we all probably would have given them closer to an A or uh, an A minus or maybe even an A plus to win two games at the drop. Uh, in a three-game series to start the year would have been great. Uh, I'm going to give him a B-plus, but uh, that is just for the team. Uh, as the coaching staff as a whole, I think they're much more around a C-minus. Uh, and I don't want, again, like you said, I don't want to be too harsh on Charlie because, look, thinking about it, everybody in the bullpen had pitched uh, before Gavilio did, except for Yamaguchi, and Waggis Pack, and then mm-hmm. Kay and Hatch were being held on for Sunday. So maybe Charlie wanted to get everybody involved. It wasn't the time to do it. It could have worked out. Gavilio has been pretty effective at times, just not in the ace. So as a team, on the performance on the field, I'll go B-plus, but their manager brought it back, and the coaching staff brought it back to, like, probably if it evens out to a B or a B-minus. Uh, I still, there was enough positives to be happy about it, I think, after going into Washington. Sure. Yeah. Is, Where is Josh Tolley yeah, when you need him to pitch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that uh, that wraps up the race series, and thank goodness we don't have to go to the trot for a little while. That's if we even make it to the next series. We're supposed to go to spring Tampa. break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Washington, uh, we're now playing the defending World Series champions. Uh, as another live score update, uh, Wilmer Font is on the mound with a two-two count, two outs uh, in the bottom of the eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he just got activated yesterday. I know. I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, Blue Jays won last night. Um, was it four-one last night? Yeah. Uh, they uh, a few solo home runs, two from Teoscar, uh, one from Rowdy, um, and I'm blanking on who that is. Jano. And Trent Thornton, you know. He was okay at times. His pitch just had a lot of movement, but man, he got himself into a lot of trouble. Craig, what did but you make about it? Trent Thornton did Trent Thornton things and found his way out of that, just yes. like his mentor, Clay Buckley. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Freaking, that guy lived on the edge, man. Aerosmith was obviously his favorite band <laughs> in Boston. <laughs> just saying. Um, but I think that speaks to his character because he does find a way out of those problems and to be able to run out and only give up the one run. Perfect. And I'm going to say this guys, can we just keep Teoscar Hernandez in the leadoff spot? If he's going to keep hitting the way he is currently hitting right now, think about how this lineup looks. If you have Bichette batting two, Vladdy, Lourdes, Biggio, I would hate to put Biggio in the fifth spot, but that is a pretty freaking crazy top. You watch your mouth, Craig. (laughs) <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> but I, as much as I'd love to keep that, having Bo in the two spot, mm. guys, that's like having Josh Donaldson in 2015 and 16 in that yeah. spot of the lineup. And if Teoscar is going to do what he's – even his pitch – selection has looked better in the last two games and even this morning even tonight when i looked at the replays when i got home for five seconds <laughs> so yeah, he um i told you his ceiling is is the high one i think and 
you know, it's it's kind of weird that in the beginning of the season we were talking about, or before the season started, rather, we were making the comparison between him and Rowdy Telez, and they both went Where yard. Where do you put him? Yeah, <laughs> and, and they both went yard yesterday. So, um, And Rowdy, like I said, hit a, a two RBI single. So um, I, I'm encouraged, especially beating the defending World Series champs. I love it. I, I, it's something to brag about, especially, again, with the Red Sox losing to the Mets. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so we're, we're in pretty good shape. Um, I, it's more impressive the fact that they're doing this without Bo. And again, out of jinx yeah. anything, right now they're they have a pretty sizable lead heading into the ninth inning. Um, if they can pull two, they they've already won the series against the World Series champs without Bo Bichette, who I think is the face of the franchise. Can't beat it, man. I love it. Now you're forgetting we actually sweep the series tonight. Oh, that's right. It's a two-game series. That's <laughs> that right. Technically true, yeah. But they stay there, right? They're staying, Correct. Yeah. yeah. They're gonna yes. literally yeah. put white jerseys on tomorrow, and that's literally okay. the difference. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or maybe they debut the new blues. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be, I think that's a dual debut. Back. Nate Pearson and that. Boom. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Watch him see those major league openers in that. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Oh, P- yeah. You're right. That's like how I only yeah. picture Roy Halladay in those powder blues that they used to yes. wear on Flashback Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I have a question for you. How did the Mariners let uh, Anthony Bass get away on a waiver claim? <laughs> because he's looked really damn impressive. And, you know, I remember Anthony Bass years ago playing MLB The Show in 14 and 15 and even back in 13 and 12. And Anthony Bass, for the longest time with the Padres, was swing to be a long reliever, fifth starter, and he was never, ever very good. But, man, Anthony Bass has been damn impressive. Is he your top choice for closer right now from what you've seen, Craig? I don't know how I don't pick anybody but him. Nobody else is really going to step forward right now from what we've seen over the last few days. He's just been – his stuff is really carrying, period. And just downright nasty to the American League hitters that haven't seen him too much, I guess. You know, in Seattle, they didn't really use him like we're going to be using him. So it's minimal input, right? What did he get last year? 40 innings with the Mariners? Something like that? And he was yeah. more or less a middle guy. He wasn't really set up, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. No, no, you're right. I, no, like, I, just, right, yeah. I just don't feel like I'm going to get any of that kind of legs out of freaking Shania Maguchi doing it. Or, you know, Wilmer Font's not going to run into a closing job all of a sudden with, with uh, Giles Hurt. I think his stuff is the one that plays in that ninth inning role when you need it. Yeah, the you know, given I, I don't want to belabor the point of where we're at in the season, but you ride the hot hand, right? And if if Giles is going to be out <laughs> for for a long period of time, uh, Bass is the guy. And if not, <clears throat> if Bass doesn't end up working out, you still have Romano, you still have options. So um, I'm very impressed with what I've seen. He seems so poised, so relaxed, and so you know ready for the moment. Um, yeah, he, he didn't seem to have those jitters, and you want to have that. In your closer, you want to be able to sort of absorb it and stay calm, comfortable on the mound to close out a game. So, um, I love it. I, I it, it, whatever the man, the Mariners are not really a, a properly run organization for a while. So <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, um, Santiago Espinal. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, but are you ready to hand him that right now, or are you? Would you rather let? Bass run that hot hand right now as the closer and let Romano settle into what he probably is going to be our setup guy. You got to win games. It's Bass. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm just 
there is that point where you do tinker a little bit with the future idea a little too though i think that's like 10 percent thing right now but i just was wondering if you want to thrust him into that this second break him possibly i don't think that's gonna happen because he seems so calm cool and collective in the couple outings we've seen from him already but just asking yeah i mean like right now that their blue jays top of the ninth up five to one a uh cole is coming in to close out the game i would rather just put romano in there just to see just to, uh, yeah. you have comfortable lead just throw him in there who cares that's okay. exactly that yeah. right now comfortable lead just throwing cole in <laughs> yeah. it makes me nervous be, correct i'll be honest i i had no idea how good anthony bass's stuff actually was i had no idea he was a flamethrower and i don't know if he's at his lost some sort of the win. and when they got him i'm like okay like i went and looked he had a decent year with seattle uh, he had a few save opportunities, I believe, with the Mariners, and he wasn't overly effective. Uh, but even still, I had no idea that Anthony Bass was this good. Yeah, I'm being pleasantly surprised because I picked him up, spring training going along. I'm like, yeah, he'll probably make the team, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. That's why he was a waiver claim at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, the Mariners are looking silly for letting him go. The Mariners, as you said, Adam, right now, the Mariners aren't the greatest run organization that's out there. They're building again, uh, and it looks like they're going <laughs> to follow the Blue Jays' steps to missing the playoffs for 20 years in a row. Uh, <laughs> that would not surprise me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Bass has been great. Jordan Romano's been great. Rafael Dolis got on track a little bit yesterday. Uh, still a little bit of hard contact, but it looks like he's settling in. So, Moving forward to today, guys, uh, we saw our fifth starter, or whatever order you want to put it in order, really doesn't matter. Uh, outside of opening day and getting that prestigious nod. But Tanner Roark, for anybody who saw, um, was the biggest signing before Hunjin Ryu for the rotation. Um, I, I like Tanner Roark as a pitcher better than Chase Anderson, uh, when it, even when Anderson's healthy. But, you know, Roark had an issue with home runs last year. That's what people were terrified of this year. But, hey, he went out there. He only threw 73 pitches, and they took out. I'm guessing my the thought process was, you know, you got five great innings out of Tanner Roark. Going around a third time, that's probably where he started to lose it a little bit last year. But, hey, I think that's what we'll expect for Tanner Roark moving forward, don't you? Five innings, six innings, just keep your team in the ball, and that's it. You're done. Yeah, I, I had a little bit of discomfort. Yeah, is that Reese? Yeah, it's Reese again. <laughs> I had a little bit of discomfort uh, watching the amount of pop flies uh, that were connected off of his pitches. Um, again, it's it wasn't as detrimental as maybe we thought it would have been. But... Um, yeah, I, I, he looked comfortable, and he played for the Nationals last year, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm sure that has something to do with it, the familiarity playing against former teammates and stuff. I'm sure that worked to his advantage. But he definitely looked comfortable out there. Um, he didn't look rattled, and he looks like someone that could be a nice addition for this team. I'm not saying that he's we're going to, you know, carry him on we're going to be carried on his back to a postseason run by any means but that stability at the back end of rotation i'm cool with it i like it a lot actually so um yeah i have no complaints honestly yeah craig you got your comp 2015 mark burley he's he's quick his pace is quick innings yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and he's gonna get solid and they actually i they were talking about this on the radio broadcast on my way home one thing he's done consistently, even over his time with the Nationals and everything, every fifth day he picks the ball up and he's going to give you something salvageable. He's going to give your team a chance to win. It's rare that he's that blistering outing where he's giving up 10 runs or anything like that. Mm. He's in, yeah. at a worst case scenario, was around that four run ballpark. But guys, we've been able to put four runs or, yeah, four runs or more up the last, you know, three, three or four of the last five games right now. Yeah. 
that keeps you in a ball game. And right now, whatever a season where the Blue Jays couldn't keep anybody on the damn mound at all, yeah. you got a guy that might be able to actually throw you hundred in a regular season, 150, 175 se- or innings. Yeah. Yeah. No. Obviously, I don't know what right. that amounts to over 60 games because I'm not doing that math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the more he went out there and kept on getting guys on uh, very, uh, uh, like, some fly balls, as you mentioned, Adam, and some contact, getting ground balls, mixed in some nice five strikeouts, I think he got. I, I watch it. I'm like, yeah, this is what I expected from Tanner Roar. Nothing flashy. Uh, nothing over the top. His stuff isn't overly good, but he's effective. And he can get guys out at least the first two <laughs> times through the order. So he did his job. And, yeah, I think the common theme that we've been talking about tonight is the pitching. Has him pretty good. It's off to a good start. Um, one final thing on tonight before we move on to the big day tomorrow, which is Nate Pearson's first start, is Vlad Jr. homered today, uh, which is good. But, my goodness, did he ever look frustrated yesterday against Anibal Sanchez. And even in the race series, he was following the exact same trends as last year, which, yeah, he's hit, he's scorching the ball, but it's all on the ground. Yeah. It's only five games, and I know that we've been saying it's, it's, it's not early, which it's not. You can't be managing games like you have 150-something left. you got to be managing like you have 55 left after tonight. Uh, but is are you feeling a little nervous about the way Vlad has started here? Should we be entertaining that discussion, or... Should we be saying, hey, look, he's still only 21. Um, the season is just getting started, which I would say maybe they have a five to seven game buffer period to get going, and you got to get going right there. But, like, Adam, should we be having the Vlad a serious talk about Vlad Jr. start to the year, maybe outside of the home run tonight? I mean, the home run was almost caught. Right. I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. It actually, it was caught, but the glove went into the bullpen. Um, but it got leather on it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and two yeah. people collided as a result. Um, do I think that we should be concerned? I think a little when you remove the name clout, I think we would be sort of critical of this player as a prospect. And I think some people would say maybe he's just okay. Um, the reason why we don't with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is because we see what he has done in the minor leagues. We see the kind of player he is, you know, through and through. And I, again, the name clout attached to it. Now, I'm very pressed on a Blue Jays podcast to come out and say, I don't know, man, maybe he's not as great as we thought he was because I know I'm going to get ripped <laughs> to reds. It's not what I'm saying. I, I, I don't want that to translate here, but I am saying maybe it's going to be a slow burn for a little bit until he actually ignites, right? Maybe it's going to take a little bit and we need to put some kindling in there for him to become this this giant fire that we think he will be. Um, I'm just saying temper expectations, Blue Jays fans, because it doesn't seem like he's going to be like a Mike Trout right out the gate, let's go, greatest of all time. I, I'm not yeah. saying that. Um, but this does sort of reinforce the notion for me that, hey, this is Bo's team. I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying. Um, <laughs> I'm even going to say temper your expectations there, too. Oh, I don't know. Both, all day, every day. He is literally growing to be my favorite Blue Jay. And in the midst of that, though, I'm just wondering how much of this is just, oh, my God. You know what I mean? It's just like, is it just nobody's figured something out? Is this Jose Bautista when he had 54 home runs mm. and they don't pitch him? Or is this just he's that good? You know, yeah. I really I, I'm leaning in the he's that good category. But I just, like I said, I'm, I would love to, worst case, guys, is Vlad still a better than Randall Gritchick hitter right now? Oh, totally. Am I really that worried? <laughs> no, no. 
But Craig, I did read between the, the lines. Spot. I did read between the lines. You you love Kevin Biggio too. I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> right now, yeah. though, who is the best hitter on Steam outside of Teoscar Hernandez? Because he's obviously on fucking in fuego. He, if I was watching Danny. Zoolander, he is so hot right now. Danny Jansen. Yeah, Jansen really good. Yeah. I've been really enjoying watching the swing of Danny Jansen come to the fore. Honestly, this is what I got to see at Buffalo in that little stint he had there. Mm. Because I went and saw probably about seven or eight games. He was crazy because they were his last year. Well, they played Rochester like freaking forever. It seemed like there at the end of the season there. So I got to see him right here in Rochester a bunch of times at the Edson and the swing is back on par. And I think honestly, what they were saying, he's been tweaking his uh, approach more than anything. Guys, the last guy that we heard that was the approach tweak was Edwin Encarnacion. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, really? Hold on. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of all the guys that I would like to see a f- over a full 162-game season, Jansen's up there for sure, just with the start he's gotten off to. And there were some people who were thinking, hey, he could be very, very dark horse for one of their best players, or even by the end of the year, get elevated to fifth in the batting order. It's really not out of the question that he could end up being a middle-of-the-order hitter as a catcher. And that's a good thing, because Reese McGuire uh, has gotten off to a good start himself, too. Catching depth, as we said in the offseason uh, and during spring training 1.0, is off the charts. The Blue Jays are well-suited there. But, guys, the series continues tomorrow with the Blue Jays as the home team in Washington. Yes, the Blue Jays will bat last. They probably will be getting at that song, so it'll feel like they're at home. They're just playing in Washington. Uh mm. And Nate Pearson is going up against Max Scherzer. Really quick, Adam, what do you think <laughs> is in store for us with Mr. Nate Pearson in the tomorrow? Uh, I think much like Boston, he might have a rocky start just because of the jitters. Like, obviously, playing in Fenway, that's a huge atmosphere. And it, I, again, I don't necessarily think it matches the prestige and the baseball nostalgia that uh, PNC would, but... Um, Fenway to PNC would, but I do think after a couple batters, once he gets his rhythm going, I would really like to see a pitcher's duel. I really would because I don't. Scherzer's he's the man, right? Like he's this isn't someone that you can just go over and blast home runs. So so I do think we have an opportunity to see a pitcher's duel. And given the fact that we are nitpicking the Blue Jays' offense minus a handful of players, um, I see it as a very low scoring game. Hopefully, and I hope I didn't just jinx things. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking for a pitcher's duel. Much like opening day, we had uh, a pretty good pitching duel as well. Um, I think you could see the same, hopefully, for tomorrow. Greg? So, guys, I remember when Max Scherzer came up with the Detroit Tigers. A lot of people talking. Obviously, they had Verlander, so it was only so much talk going on because everybody's paying attention to the ridiculous things that Justin Verlander did. Mm. But to me, this is honestly like, Max Scherzer now is Justin Verlander level, and you have Nate Pearson that has that hype that could be as good as Max Scherzer. Mm. This is like Max Scherzer playing his 20-year-old self. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) And honestly, I really think this is going to be – I think it could be a right holiday start. If you don't get to him in the first inning, there's going to be a problem because I have have Nate Pearson pitch in person, and dear God, if he gets locked in, done. I just don't know how – my biggest concern is how long they're actually going to let him run tomorrow night. I really would be shocked if he gets out of three or more four innings just because of the whole innings shit. Ease him in. And then you'll have 
correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Kay kind of on that four ball bar, four or five day rest now? Yeah. He pitched on yeah, Saturday. I could, I could Something weird Kay. like that without saying yeah. it live, you know, because yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. they have just saying, oh, Pearson's running with it. But I, with how much they've been protecting this kid, and they're all of a sudden, it seems like they're going away from that game plan. I wonder if this is what's really happening. You're having the lawn opener yeah. with Nate Pearson. Yeah, well, that's what they did with Thomas Hatch. Uh, on Sunday, and I know just with timing, and there's been a lot to talk about for a change with games actually going on. We haven't touched on Thomas Hatch. We can save that for another time. But I can even maybe do the same approach. It was, yeah, it was very good. Uh, there's a lot of positives from Hatch's outing, but I could see it maybe being the same. Hatch, I think, went two and a third, and then Anthony K followed up with two and a third, um, and then um, I forget who followed them all. I think it was Waggis Pack, uh, but I, I cannot remember. I think it was. But, yeah, I could see maybe them doing three or four innings with Pearson and then Anthony K follows up, or, or maybe Thomas Hatch, because, you know, rosters in a few days, I believe, are going to be cut down. So you're going to have to start evaluating these guys and see who's going to stay in this big league bullpen. So I can see that. I think uh, I'll go right though. I think he'll go six. Um, he'll give up a run or two early, but then settle in. And at the end of the start, when he comes out, we're going to be like, holy shit, like this kid is going to be special. And I really think we're going to get that vibe. From Nate Pearson. Hope so. I think the biggest thing is I think he learned a lot from that start in Boston. Mm. Yeah. Especially that, and that wasn't that long ago. That was literally a week ago. <laughs> so that's fresh in his mind. I think he's got some things that he knows he wants to carry into this start. Because I don't care that this has only been in the media for a few days. They, he's. I have a strange feeling he. They told him this date, probably during that start for Boston. Oh yeah. yeah. And be like, this is your this is your warm up for this day. Yeah. Yeah. And you're gonna run with it. And see what happens. Well, gentlemen, anything else that we haven't touched on? There's been a lot. And you know what, uh, Adam, I hope you get a podcast like this where you can dissect games too. Oh, yeah. it's, been, it's made it very easy, to be honest, the agenda. There's been a lot to talk about for a change. Craig, you got opening day. I got the first series and a little bit of the Nationals. So, Adam, you get to do an episode like this. I'm sure you will. Like, honestly, it looks like he'll be either going to get to burn down the season. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm anticipating. All right, guys, now what? And <laughs> match. Yeah. Can we turn into a football podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anything that we uh, that we didn't cover, because there's been a lot. Uh, Adam, why don't you bring up something that is at the top of your head that maybe we haven't discussed unless you feel we've discussed pretty much everything. Oh man, any I mean we we nailed the biggest story which is the Marlins right now. Um Oh, I do want to mention this. The crowd noise and stuff, not nearly as bad as I thought. Honest to god, not near they're doing a pretty good job with the crowd level, the uh the volume of it, cues and stuff. You know how you walk into something and you're like, man, this is going to really suck so much. And you, <laughs> and those times you walk out, you're like, not that bad. It really, that's how I feel about this. It's weird not seeing the fans, but if you could sort of tune out the visual aspect and just listen, I do like how they have that, um, the in-between sounds to make it sound like a baseball game. I really enjoyed that. So props to MLB for doing that. I like yeah. On the radio feed, it actually didn't sound any different. It sounded there like you a go. Ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, they've come a little ways since the, oh, we're just going to pump the MLB The Show stuff in, which in my opinion is the worst part of MLB The Show is the sound mm. of the ballpark. It's so fake. You do see those people that are almost like 2D in the stands yeah. every once in a while. <laughs> it's like, come on, really? One of the things I've been saying that MLB Show could do the best to improve their product 
where even if they don't change the actual gameplay part of it is literally invest in some fan culture shit yeah. to show in between the innings and the broadcast level that I propose that they're doing. I'm sorry to say every time I play this show, I hear the same three things out of Mark DeRosa about how my <laughs> make a player sucks <laughs> and I'm batting 350 and leading in the all three triple crown categories, but I suck. Don't worry about me. He's <laughs> trying to keep so, you humble. No. Exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah. they have done a really good job. And I agree with you hundred percent. That is it's, like I said on the radio feed today, when I was listening in the car for the majority of the broadcast today, it sounded like a normal baseball game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I uh, I will give props to uh, these earlier start times. I, it was nice having the game end at like 8.45, 9 o'clock last night. Yeah. And it's autumn on yeah. the ninth now and it's 9 o'clock. Um, I, it, it's a little Man, weird. I got to drink more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still adjusting with when to cook dinner because, like, like I've been watching on my laptop uh, and bringing the laptop around in the kitchen to cook and then yeah. outside <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, it's it's nice. And you know what? There's hockey on right now. I'll probably go watch that. The Leafs start at eight o'clock. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a lot of positives the first week, guys. And uh, for the first time this year, Craig, a tradition you've started uh, when uh, the two of us got going, and Adam, you as a guest before you came on full time, you've done pick the six before. Um, for the first time this year. Adam, for the rest of the week until we record again, who position player, pitcher wise, hey, if you want to say Charlie Montoya's decision making will be better, you can pick Charlie Montoya. <laughs> but, uh, oh, come on. Now you're just starting it. <laughs> hey, that's fun, though. It's my twist. <laughs> it was in the all of, of the uh, every, um, I don't know if you guys are watched a Chicago White Sox game with uh, Hawk Harrelson back in the day, but he used to always do the pick to click in the pregame broadcast. Mm. Who's going to be the best player today? Like he's picking the player of the game before the game kind of thing. All right. um, <laughs> but we're doing it for the week. You know, we only do this once a week. <laughs> all right. I'm going to, I'm going to not say Vladdy. I'm not going to do it because I think that's too much pressure right now. I'm going to look, no surprise. I'm going to stick with my main man, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Ride that train. Keep it going. There it is. Hey, it's a solid pick, man. Thanks, man. He's got that sweet swing in baseball. <laughs> yeah, best swing in baseball. <laughs> Craig? I don't think I've ever said I, that before, though. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know what you're about. Just like oh, I was going to rant know. earlier. <laughs> There's definitely no video of me saying anything positive about Kevin Vigio. It's never existed. I don't know what you're talking about. It's only on the internet. Don't That's worry, about nobody believes yeah. this. All fake news, anyway. All fake. <laughs> I'm going with Sweet Lord Escorial Jr. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's a good one. That's I have, I don't, I know he started off with a side injury or whatnot, but the swing looks on par. And throughout the couple starts he had, you know, eventual pinch hit in Tampa, you could, I could see the timing coming around. And he had a pretty good game yesterday, too. Looked good at the plate. And today he hit a home run. I'm going to ride that all through the next week. Sweet. Yeah, good picks. Good picks, both of you. I am going to go uh, Hanjin Ryu. I think he's going to be really, really good in his second start. I'm not sure who will oppose him because Scherzer's going tomorrow. Um, and he's getting I think that's TBD, technically, at the moment. Hey, I'll take Ryu over TBD any day. <laughs> it's like whoever the fuck starter, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I know. I think uh, we saw a lot of good from Ryu on Friday as we dissected on the live game broadcast. And I just think he got tired towards the end of his start. So now his second start in, I would not be surprised if he goes into the, uh, for sure, seven. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes into the eight uh, yeah. on, uh, on Thursday. So I'm going to 100 Ryu. 
real reason, you just want to be able to wear your Ryu jersey on your video <laughs> calls for the next day during your meetings. <laughs> yeah, if you pitch this gem, I'll put it on next time we record for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So are we going to find something to talk about so we can just say Blue Jays win for this game yet? Knock on dust. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to jinx it quite yet, but it looks to be that way, yeah. Yeah, one down. AJ Cole still on the mound with a runner on second, five-one lead. This would be a pretty epic blow. That if they start to blow, we better hang up right now. Blue Jays, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh God, went from suck to blow. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was out for the majority of the day, we sat mm-hmm. down. Uh, we got around the table because I was watching with Sarah's dad and everything. I'm like, it comes. Jays are winning, and we're gonna watch them win because Ken Giles is pitching. And oh, sure enough, God. that happened. I didn't find Don't. wood anywhere, so <laughs> I didn't knock on wood. Yeah. I, think I, I made the uh, joke. I, my wife walked into the room after not – she was with me at the whole game on Saturday when they eventually choked. Sunday, she walks in with two outs, Ken Giles on the mound in the ninth. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I'm like, what are you doing to me? And she goes, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> she was wearing all Blue Jays stuff. I couldn't help her. I didn't buy her. She fell asleep. <laughs> But, ugh, just couldn't well, get it. We got a 2 2 count with two outs. Yeah. And runner on third now, Trey Turner. Yeah. Third. That runner. Gotta, is that shocking, really? That kid is literally the fastest person I've ever seen in my life. There you go. And I've Nothing seen you sign bolt footage. <laughs> yeah. So, one thing up outside of the top four um, in the bullpen, well, I guess now it's top three with Ken Giles out, but I get the feeling that the Blue Jays are really hoping. AJ Cole cements himself in that new top four or top five, assuming and Giles comes back without that injury because he can throw really damn hard. Uh, yeah. And maybe even Wilmer Font, too. Like, Font just has another arm that was pretty damn good last year. I know as an opener, but who's to say that can't transfer over into the bullpen, right? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, or later in the bullpen, not opening. Right, right. No. Stuff I mean, it, yeah. I, I, Again, uh, you you have to walk that line to sort of hopefully things stick, and you have to experiment a little bit. You just got to pull the leash a little bit quicker. Um, there you go. Okay, so the, this, <laughs> I was gonna say this is a situation that you put Colin for a confidence boost. Just got it with the Blues taking this. So five to one victory, Blue Jays take this over the Nationals. So they swept Craig, right? That's correct. Technically, it's two okay. game in DC. There you go. Home, and now it's gonna be two games. Toronto is the home team. So, fellas, <laughs> the Blues are above 500 level team in July. <gasps> we, yeah, I know. They gave this whole August. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Love it's it. Almost August, and they're above 500. But uh, hey, they win. They are now three and two, and we get the debut of Nate Pearson tomorrow. So, I think there's no better way to end this broadcast than with a "Let's go Blue Jays." Let's go, Let's Blue, go Jays. Blue Jays. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.